Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. Okay, so guys, today we have one of my favorite people in the whole world here, Pastor John Stickle. Welcome, John. Hey, super excited to be with you today. Oh my goodness, you guys are going to love this. This is going to be the best podcast ever. So John, we're going to talk about, let me introduce it a little bit. We're going to talk about identity today. And so what is identity? We're going to tell you that in a minute. But overall, just the concept is, is identity is God's love for us. And we want to have identity. We want all our kids to know that they are fully loved by God. And it starts with you as a parent giving identity to your kids, helping your kids to know they are fully loved. So that's the, and John, Pastor John has written a book. When did you, when did we publish the book? Yeah, about five years ago, I think. Yeah. Follow the Cloud. If you, if uh, John Stickle, S-T-I-C-K-L, and um, get that book. It's the it's a great book anyway. But overall, one of the main subjects in there is to know. John just does a great job of talking about identity. So let's just start there, Pastor John. What is identity? What do you think when you say what is identity? What would you how would you explain that to parents? Yeah, that's the a big question that I think every person in life is always trying to figure out. Who am I? Mm-hmm. It's the deep rooted question within every parent, every child. Who am I? Who was I created to be? And identity at its very core is God's imprint on your soul. It's the image and likeness that he made us into, uh, into his being. And, and I think that is the invitation for all of us to figure out is who did God make me to be and live from that reality? Oh, wow. So, and I mean, I think about when Jesus was baptized, that, you know, he rose up and, and the heavens opened and God said, this is my son whom I love. In him, I'm well pleased. To me, that's a great example of God just saying, yeah. I claim you, I love you, and, I'm, and I accept you right where you are. Is that kind of a picture of identity? Absolutely. I think that is, that is probably one of the most core passages in Scripture. If we are now included in Jesus, then that's true of us. But there's something that's so profound in that is that that is Jesus at 30 years old. He hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't done his ministry, hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't done any miracles. And yet the Father speaks over his life, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Before he did anything that the world would marvel at, the Father told him who he was, and it was from that identity that Jesus went out and did all the amazing things that he did because he knew who he was. So then he knew what he was created to do. So you would say his identity gave him the power to do what he did in his ministry. Yeah, because your identity, in a sense, uh, determines your behavior. It determines what you are created to do, what uh, you exist for. We say we like to say that uh, who you are determines what you do. Yeah. And so if you can figure out your identity, you then figure out your behavior, if you will, instead of uh, spending all your time trying to modify behavior, discover who you are, and that behavior will naturally flow from who you were created to be. I told you all this was going to be amazing, didn't I? So as adults, now let's start with the adults. Let's start with the parents, because I think there's a lot of parents out there um, that have a different view of God than what identity would tell them. I mean, and so... Maybe they have, you know, I know that for me, when I was in my 30s, I remember somebody gave me 
I, I thought it was all about what I did, my performance. If if I did A, I would get God's love, which was B, you know. And if I did it better, then I would get God's love more. And the more I screwed up, and and I remember one time a mentor gave me this will show you how old it was a cassette tape on grace. And it was by a guy named John Lynch. And he just said, God loves you. You know, it's like, hey, God says, no matter where you are, he just puts his arm around you and says, kid, we got this. We're going to go do it together. Come on, go with me. And and I was like, wow, that's a different. And I think so is, is how does that relate to identity? God's grace. Yeah, I think it's God's grace that determines who we are. I love what Paul says, by God's grace, I am what I am. Mm. That, that my identity is created by God's grace, and then it's been redeemed by God's grace. And so I don't have to spend my life trying to perform, earn, achieve. I don't have to do all these things to become. I already am, and out of who I am in God, I'm now free to actually go out and live the very d- destiny, if you will, the purpose for which he has created me to be. So it's an inverse of how we, we, we typically look at it in life. Most of us think that I am what I do. So yes, if, if yes. I do a bunch of things, then I can become someone. Yes. And what religion has taught us, that false view of God that you were talking about, is I need to try harder. I need to behave better. I need to do more so that somehow God will accept me and that in God's acceptance, I can then pay for my past, find forgiveness, and somehow become significant. So we, mm-hmm. we kind of invert the whole thing and go in the wrong direction as opposed to starting from this posture of grace that I already am accepted. I already am significant. I already am loved. In fact, one of the things I think is important for people to understand is that you are as loved in this moment as you will ever be in your life. You've said that before. And and by the way, I didn't say this, but John is the pastor of my church. So I I hear this. I've heard this for many, many years. You got to deal with me every week. I got to listen to it, but I love it. If you ever want to go to valleycreek.org and listen to his messages, listen to everything. He's an amazing teacher, but you know, that is just mind blowing. It really is that we, you know, that like you're going back to identity determines behavior. We act out of who we are. We, because so much of that performance is just exhausting, exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting to try to keep on that treadmill of performance. And you, and you can never do enough. So even every time you have a big success, every time you have a big victory, every time you think you 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 look beautiful, the best you've ever looked, it's like it the bottom drops out on you on the backside of it, and you feel like you need to do even more. The mountain just got higher. The pinnacle got even farther. And so we live in this place of exhaustion, trying to figure out, like, who am I? Who was I created to be? What does significant and significance and success and approval look like? So we do to become, not realizing that we already are, and so now we're free to do, which totally puts things back into the way that they were created to be in the garden. So, and I want to make, I want to hang out on this just a little bit because parents, we can't give our kids identity if we don't understand identity. We've got to know who we are before we can tell our kids who they are. And we'll get to the kids in a minute. But um, John, in your book, you talk about three circles. And so, and, and that performance goes the opposite way and you'll do a better job of explaining it than I am, but go kind of go through the backwards way of the three circles and then the, or the forward and the backwards, whatever works best. If you just think about the simplicity of the gospel, Mm -hmm. I think too often we just think the gospel is getting to heaven when we die. It's so much bigger than that. It is the complete restoration of life. And so if you think about these kind of three concentric circles, it all starts in circle one, which would be receiving God's grace, Mm -hmm. which is the restoration of our identity. 
in Adam, we became sinners, but in Jesus, we're now the righteousness of God. So that grace restores my identity. Well, if I know who I am now and I know I'm forgiven and free, I'm now drawn to circle two, which would be experiencing God's presence, a reconciled relationship because uh, he who has been forgiven much loves much. If I know I've been forgiven, I love God and I, I'm not afraid of him. There's no barrier or, or uh, uh, brokenness yeah. in between him and I anymore. And then as I experience his presence and have this reconciled relationship, I move to circle three, which would be releasing his kingdom or a, a redeemed purpose. And, and if you put things in the right order, it's identity leads to relationship and relationship leads to purpose. That we would call the the the, the free flowing cycle of grace. Mm-hmm. We're drawn by grace, as opposed to the other way, where we start in circle three and we try to do which a is bunch where of things. Starts. Which is everybody starts yeah. purpose. What am I doing with my life? Uh, I need to achieve more. I need to make more. I need to do more. I need to look better because I need to reverse. I need to get God to somehow accept me, so I can have presence with mm-hmm. Him. So a reconciled relationship, so I can become significant. Because the cry in every human heart is for significance. Who am I? Who was I made to be? Is there anything about me that's special and unique and of value and of worth? And so religion keeps us in that cycle of performance, which it's the same in the world as well, which just leaves you constantly exhausted, wore out, and beat down. So parents, when you know who you are, then you can, and, and even you know, at the end of, of Matthew 11, it says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Never understood that before, especially because at the end of Matthew 10, he says, take up your cross and follow me. And it's like, wow, that's hard. You know, but, but the hard part is the surrender to the love of God. Even Romans 8 talks about how I'm no longer an orphan. I'm a child of the king. And, they, and that's really the best illustration that I know that, relate, that I relate to is that how do I act as an orphan versus how do I act as a child of the king? Well, the child of the king's confident. The orphan's scared. I mean, there's so much difference. Right. And that's so, and so it's so important. One of the things, you know, if you've read our book and you know our Crazy Cool Family House, you know that pursue God's at the top because we tell you a lot that the best fathers and mothers are first sons and daughters of the king. And when you understand your identity, then you're going to live in freedom. And, and Galatians 5 says that it's freedom that lets us pursue the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's that we do love, joy, peace, patience, all those things because we understand our identity in Christ. Right, right. And that, I love that you guys do teach that because I think that's so important. I, I don't think you can become a father until you're first a son. Right. And most of us, we bypass learning to live as a son, which is a posture of receptivity, which is a posture of intimacy, which is a posture of dependence. We just jump past that because we've lived so long as a spiritual orphan, if you will, taking Mm -hmm. care of ourselves, doing our own thing, going our own direction, that then we really struggle in being a parent, a father or a mother, because we've never learned to first be a son or a daughter. An orphan's going to treat their kids as orphans, and they're going to parent in fear, and they're going to parent in um, in in not enough, uh, and they're going to withhold love, and it's going to be manipulative, and all those things that damage the relationship with your child. Right, because if you've spent your life believing that you are what you do, you then think your kids are, they are what they do, so you will try to make them do all the things. And if they don't do. And if they don't, boy, you are disappointed because now they are not who you thought they were, and then you're communicating that to them, then you're setting them off on that same cycle that you've probably spent much of your own life trying to become free of. And so for so many 
parents that we talk to, they don't know they're in that cycle. You know, that they're not, they're, they love their kids. I mean, they're trying to do what's best for their kids. But, you know, that's why we say that at first, you got to see who you are first. And once you can, as a parent, you know, your example is more important than your instruction. And, and when you become more of who you are in Christ, when you understand your identity in Christ, now you can give that identity to your kids. Right. So let's talk about, so hopefully we've done a good job in the first part of this podcast of just telling you what identity is, and there's no better person in this world to me that to, to explain the identity in Christ than, than Pastor John here, and his book does a great job with it too. So if you want to go further with that, you know, there's it's a great way to do it. And but let's talk about for a minute how that impacts our parenting. We said at the first of the podcast, and let me remind you that we first give identity to our kids so that when it comes time for them to understand God's identity given to them. It's, it's just a given. It's like, of course God loves me because my parents have already shown me. And, and think about this. God calls himself Father. And, and he could have called himself anything. He could have called himself, you know, dictator. He could have called himself whatever. But he calls himself a Father. And I believe that he wants to do that because he wants to show you guys how to be a father and mother. Absolutely. It is fascinating, right? All the ways Jesus or the father could be known, it's, or God could be known, it's father, not creator, not the holy one, not the almighty. All those are true of him. And they all are our identities of, of, of his nature. But he wants to be known as a father because as a father, it instantly declares and defines our identity and the relationship that then exists between us, that there is a created intimacy built right into the relationship. Yeah, I love it that, you know, again, keeping with that analogy of orphan versus a child of the king, that then in Hebrews 4, he talks about there's a throne of grace. And, and I just get this picture of our father, first of all, that there's a throne of grace. We come up, you know, I remember, I think it's in Esther, you know, when she says she goes to the king and the king, if he doesn't put her, put his scepter out to her, I'll probably butcher this story, but I mean, the, but if he doesn't put his scepter out to her, then she could be killed. But so she's so terrified and you get a different picture of the, of the throne of the king because yeah. it's, it's ruthless and it's powerful and it's authoritative and all this. Hebrews 4 says, no, it's a throne of grace. Totally different picture of the way God lets us approach him, right? right? And if your father is the king and he sits on the throne, think about the child of the king gets to come in the back door. Oh, yeah, there you go. Everyone else has to come in. Right. With, they they have, must be summoned. They must approach appropriately. They must go through the pomp and circumstance. They must come through the front door when it's their time. But the king's son gets to just come in the back door and climb right up on their father's lap at any point in time because of that relational dynamic that already exists. And so when God tells us he wants to be a father to us and we will be his sons and daughters, it instantly sets in motion what the relationship is supposed to look like and who we then are. And so then I ask parents at that point, what's your throne look like? You know, what is, what does your throne look like? If you picture yourself, cause you know, we always say that when kids are like three and four years old, when they draw pictures, they draw really long legs because they see us as these big, huge people. Well, and yet, you know, so often we are talking down to them. We are, and, and to them, our throne is, That's great. It's, a, it's a tough That's place great. to come. And and you wonder why the kids scared of the parents or whatever, it's because it's not a throne of grace. Right. And, and you know, and so, I, you know, what would it look like if your throne, even for your little kids, is a throne of grace in which you are, 
and it's not that, you know, then parents go, well, then I can't discipline them. No, it's not that at all. It's just the way, it's the approach. God disciplines us. He he disciplines those he loves. He does all that. Hebrews even talks about that later on. He disciplines because we are sons, is what it says. Discipline is actually a validation of your identity. Yeah, exactly. Right? I discipline my son. I don't discipline the neighbor's kid. <laughs> right. He, he's not my kid. That's not an identity that's come from me as the father. Yeah. So to be actually disciplined, to have consequences, is actually a validation that I belong to the father. And I think I think that's where, where discipline done from the heart of love actually validates, no, you are my son. Right. And I'm helping you live according to who you were created and called to be. And I, I love yeah. that what you're saying, that sense of, of what the throne looks like. And I think the throne we create as parents is a reflection of the throne we view the Father to Absolutely. sit on. And that's where when Jesus comes again, the beauty is, is he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, he says, I know many of you have had a broken father figure mm-hmm. or, or you're a biological father or you've been abandoned by your father or some kind of uh, brokenness between you and your father. He said, let me set this all straight for you. This is what the Father looks like. The way I talk, that's how the Father talks. Right. The way I love, that's how the Father loves. The way I act, the way I move, the way I respond, the way I have compassion and care and grace and love, that's exactly the nature of the Father. And so Jesus' life actually teaches us what the, um, what the true reality of the Father's nature looks like, and that's the throne of grace we can approach. And as we learn to absorb that in our life, we can then release that into our kids' lives. Yes, and when we do that, it our kids respond so much better that it's still discipline. I mean, people say, man, well, you can't have high standards for your kids and still have grace. And I'm like, I'm going to argue that because my standards for my kids are, a lot, are as higher, higher than yours, I promise you. Right. It's a matter of the way we get there. Right. And God, just like, for example, we can perform for God and we can be exhausted before God. God says, you really don't have to do that. Why don't you just let me love you and let's perform out of my love for you? Right. And that's that throne of grace as a parent. You know, just think about what, let's go back to what God told Jesus. This is my son whom I love and you I'm well pleased. Are you saying that to your kids? Even your three-year-old, are you saying who's driving you insane? You know, and we still have to discipline. We still have to keep them from running out in the street. We still have to make sure they clean up their toys and all that. But are you saying to them a lot? You're a mighty man of God. This is, you are my son. I am so glad. You know, you think that three-year-old might be able to not, not even be able to understand it. Yes, they can. They can understand. They see your countenance. Right. They see who you are and they see how you're approaching them. Right. And are you approaching them like that? Because that's what gives identity. Yeah. And you're great at that. I've watched you do that with all of mm-hmm. your kids. I watch you do that with your grandkids. I watch you do that with uh, the people in, in our church, the people that you are, you disciple and have relationship with because you have that father's heart. So it naturally flows out of you because you have the heart of a son before mm-hmm. you have the heart of a father. And it's that sonship that leads to being the father or, or the mother. And, and I think that's, again, why that passage is so profound, because when the father is declaring, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, let's put it in our context, right? Because we're included in Christ now, so that's our context. So the father's saying, you're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Before you do anything right, and even after you do everything wrong. Oh, did y'all hear that? I mean, I think that's just that it's worth repeating. Before it's not about what you did right or wrong. I love you. I'm crazy about you. Right now, in this moment, as much as you will ever be. 
And when you get that, it changes everything because most of us spend our lives trying to get what the Father's already given to us. We try to spend our lives getting people to say that we are loved and that we are pleasing. Yeah. But if I already know I'm loved and I am pleasing to the Father, then I now have this incredible security. I don't have to go and try to try to try to validate myself in the world. That was again, that's the beauty of Jesus's freedom. He could walk in to a room and be completely rejected. He could walk into another room and they would want to make him king, and it didn't change him one oh, way wow. or the other. Whether they wanted to kill him or or literally crown him, he left exactly the same because he didn't need from people what he already had. And in the so, father. parents, when you're talking to your kids. You know, we almost think sometimes, oh, they're going to get too cocky, you know, because they're going to get a big head or they're going to get that. I'm like, no, I mean, I want my kids to have, I want my kids to walk in confidence. But there's a difference between when you instill in your kids, the identity that you, the same, what we talked about, you are loved, you are, you are known, you are taken care of, you have security, you, there's a place you, here's a safe place for you. They walk with their heads up. I mean, you can even see it. Suzanne talks about this a lot. Just go to your um, son, who's maybe six, seven years old, and say, wow, you're a stud. You are just a mighty man of God. I just, you know, I am so proud of you. I'm so glad that you're in our family. And you can just, you know, he might have his head down a little bit. You'll just watch him kind of puff up and his chest come out. And you'll be like, you know, Wow. I mean, you just watch a physical transformation of a, just by a few words, instead of going, you know, why didn't you clean up your room? And, and, you know, and so much of it's choices. And then they start to want to obey because just like we want to obey because of the love of the father to us, we want our kids to obey because of the love of the father of their earthly father first. Right. Because it's an identity. When you start to believe that identity, it determines your behavior. That's the thing that I think think we all forget is that when you identity really determines behavior you you've done this for years when you've told your kids you're a manning right it's it's an identity well that right. identity has a has a behavior attached to it this is what this looks like to be a manning i mean if you if you spend all all your time uh, well think about think about it like this identity when you give something an identity you as, you ascribe it a nature and a purpose hmm. so if, if i call a hammer a hammer well, what does a hammer do it smashes things uh, a dog. We call it a dog. What does a dog do? It barks. What does a cow do? It moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you start telling your kid you're a loser, what does a loser do? Yeah, it loses. A loser loses. Yeah. If you tell your kid they're a winner all the time, well, what does a winner do? They win. But the caution even in that is now I feel like I have to spend my life winning mm-hmm. as opposed to you're loved. Yeah. You're my son. I'm well pleased in you. There is this inherent freedom that's within that to now live a secure life because my identity has described a nature or a purpose for which why I exist. In fact, I was thinking about it coming over here. I was thinking, I remember when our kids were little, you, you guys have helped us so much as parents. And uh, and there we were in a season where our kids... They, when we, Colleen would take them to go to play groups or whatever, they would, they would just run, they would go and play and they would run and they wouldn't look back at Colleen. They would just go and do wherever the playground is or the other kids. 
And Colleen would notice a lot of other kids were always coming back and looking at their parents all the time. And I remember she was sharing that with Suzanne and she was kind of like, my kids, do they, do they not, do they want to get away from me? Do they not need me? And Suzanne said, no, it's a sign of security. Absolutely. That your kids know that they're loved and they know who they are. So they're free to go and explore and they're not wondering, am I okay? Do I have what it takes? Do I have to stay right here? And that was super freeing for us because it was that reminder, keep telling them who they are because it creates a security for them to go and live free. Well, and, and you've said this a lot in, in, and parents, if you take one thing out of this, take this to, today, tell your kids who they are instead of telling them what they're not. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. that one phrase, if you can, if you can say, I, I, you know, um, I, you are this, you know, you, you're, you're a clean person. You're going to, I believe in you. You're going to, I know we can work through this cleaning our room thing because you know what? You're going to be a neat person. You're not going to be a, you're not a slob. You're a neat, right. you know, you're, or whatever you're it organized. is. You're organized. Yes. That's who you are. Yes. And, and, uh, and, and really just also dealing with your kids' personalities. Some kids, you know, you call out in them who they are according to their uniqueness you know, that's where we talk about the relationship with the child. You get to know them instead of getting on them all the time, and you start to figure out, well, why is it they're having trouble cleaning up their room? What are the barriers? Well, they're artistic, and they don't see the world a certain way. Right. Okay, great. Let's right. come up with a method that's going to help them be a success, but it doesn't mean they're some slob. They're just an artistic person or whatever that has trouble seeing the organization of it. Right. And I think that's great. It's because sometimes parents or parents, anybody, when you're talking identity can say, yeah, but I, but that's not what they're doing right now. Right. Right. But, but are they, are they their behavior or are they who they are created and called to be? And that's what I love about what God does with Abraham, right? God who gives life to dead things and calls things that are not as though they were. Mm -hmm. He calls Abraham a father 25 years before he has a son. Right. Why? Because he's declaring identity into him. And he's saying, this is who you are. So why Jesus calls shaky Peter a rock. Right. He changes his identity over. He says, this is who you are. You're not living like this right now. This, this is yeah, not going so all that yeah, well, yeah. but you're a rock. And I'm going to tell you who you are. <laughs> yeah. And and when you start to believe who you are, you're going to become the guy that preaches the first gospel message and thousands of people get saved because yeah. now I know who I am and I'm living out of that security. Last example of this, and then I'll go on. We'll go on to the next phase of this. But I was talking with Michael, who's Michael's 23 now, and he's, you know, I coached him in basketball and stuff. And he goes, Dad, he said, when you coached me in basketball and you would say to me, Michael, that guy cannot cover you. Go take the ball to the basket. And he said, and he goes, I was like, yeah, I did that, didn't I? You know, but it was like, he said, you know, he goes, Dad, I don't know if you believed it. And I don't know if it was true. But he said, all I know is that I walked down that court and I saw myself differently and I saw that defender differently. And that's, to me, is just an example of how I could have said, Michael, you know, quit, you know, not taking the ball, the quit doing this and don't do that. And, you know, but instead, let's call out any Michael, you know, I would tell them a lot of times and, and if it was true, you know, Michael, you're the best player on the floor. Act like it. You know, in other words, lead your team, take the ball to the basket, do things, you know, or here's your role on this team, but let's play it well, you know, and and let's figure out where it is. 
And that's not being deceptive. It's not being manipulative. It's calling out greatness. It's yeah. calling out the identity who God made them to be, the very image and likeness of God that's the thumbprint on their soul. What you're doing is you're just calling it to the surface because they don't see it. They yeah. don't know it yet. They haven't figured it out. And as a parent, it's our job to see it and call it to the surface, both the specific and the general. Well, I hope that you can see, parents, why I get so excited about this topic for you guys because, and for all, for all of us, because when we do this, that's how that's one way we produce confident kids and... It also provides this platform. You know, my, Suzanne talks about a lot of times when kids are in middle school or going from elementary, late elementary to middle school, they're on a bridge and they're on a bridge and they are looking towards adulthood on one side, on the one side, but they are looking back to childhood on the, on the back side. So they're on this bridge looking back and that's what happens with identity. At some point, they have to transfer their relation. You are their God. Parents, you are the God, and at some point you transfer God to being God. And it, and it happens later than you think. And wouldn't you say that? I mean, I always thought that that would happen like when they were seven. Yeah. But it really doesn't happen until they're in middle school and high school. That's, when in that, that's why I talk about late elementary. Or, you know, sometimes when they're in middle school, they're just brats, and they're still that way. You know, they're going through the hormones and everything. But at some point, you want to have them build their identity with God's love for them, and it transfers from your love for them. Right. And that's where the years of declaring, this is who you are, this is who you are, this is who you are. They might not believe it. You might not see it. There's lots of days you don't believe it. <laughs> right. But you're trying to teach them this is who God says you are, even more so than than who I say you are. And that's one of the things that we've tried to do as parents is this is who God says you are. Because I'm trying to teach them, even though they need to hear it from me right now, because they've yet to figure it out in their faith, just like you said, they haven't crossed right. that bridge right. yet. But when you keep describing the idea uh, the only person who can tell you who you are is God. Right. I am the current voice in the season of telling you who God says you are. Right. And if I can help you discover who God says you are, then you start learning how to hear who God says you are. Then no one can tell you who you're not. Yep. And that's why that's how you have confident kids that make wise choices because they already they know who they are. And so you know, uh, Suzanne tells a little story about a a, a daddy telling a girl who she, a little six-year-old girl, who she is, and then she goes to school, and the, and the boy tells her at school she's, you know, that she's ugly and all that, and the little girl just says, well, no, 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 my daddy says I'm beautiful. My daddy says exactly. I'm special. And so if you want your teenage daughters, I remember, you know, I've got four of them married. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. But I remember just being like, wow, you know, this is crazy. My girls are teenagers and, you know, and what are, what are these guys going to do to them or whatever? But the secret is to have them know who they are. Yeah. So when they go out, I don't have to worry about who they are. I don't have to worry about what they're doing because they know who they are and, they, and, and they've been told by God who they are. Right. And man, I validate all of that. Your daughters are amazing. And it's because you guys have spent years telling them who they who they were, mm -hmm. then they learn to hear who God said that they were from God, from first from you and Suzanne, then from God. So then they go out into the world and no one can tell them who they're not. That's the challenge is every, that's what we we're trying to say in the beginning, right? Is everybody spends their life trying to figure out who am I? 
Mm-hmm. Who am I? Mm-hmm. And if I, the earlier I figure out who I am, the more I get to live in the freedom of that security. And I don't care what anyone else has to say, what, what they try to make me do, what they push, pull, uh, what they declare, what they, what they want to be. It, it has, it has, it, it might hurt my feelings, but it doesn't impact who I am. And I'm not going to adjust then my life and my behaviors to try to fit into that reality. I, I love in, in Jeremiah, when God creates Jeremiah, right? He's a young person. He's a kid. And God says, hey, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I have appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Mm -hmm. He says, I formed you. I knew you. I set you apart. Only I get to say who you are, and I've declared that you're a prophet to the nations. And I love Jeremiah's response is the response I think most of us would have is, God, I'm, I'm only a child. I do not know how to speak. And God so quickly corrects him and says, when I tell you you're a prophet, don't say you're only a child. Right. When I tell you who you are, no one can tell you who yeah. you're not. And so much of parenting is telling our kids who God says that they are so that no one can tell them who they're not. And a lot of you may be listening to this podcast going, wow, I haven't been doing that. And so um, I've ruined my kids, you know, just whatever that is. And can I tell you, parents, that there, it's never too late. Yeah. That wherever you are, I hope you're have you know I hope you've been doing it or you have young kids and you're going to start doing it, but regardless, you'll be amazed actually. And in fact, your kids will be like, "Who are you?" But if you start flipping it flipping, to say, yep. and, and and for me, I kind of learned this. I always say I do my parenting in decades, you know, and so I'm starting my fourth decade of parenting, and and certainly the first decade I did not have this concept in my brain. And, you know, and as I got the cassette tape on grace, things started changing. I started to, you know, learn about the power of encouragement, all the things we teach. And um, at first it felt so, um, I would say, kind of awkward and and kind of weird. Like I was fake, maybe, you know, as I started saying things that, oh, you're called to do, you are this and, and you're a mighty, you know, I was like, but it took a little while. But right. over time, it, it and so wherever you are in that season, um, and I love this because I think it's one of the best things I've ever learned in parenting. It goes along with being an encouraging parent versus a critical one and some of the other concepts that are kind of corollaries to what we teach. But but identity is huge. And it starts with you, parents. It's, it starts with you because if you don't know who you are, then it's very difficult to tell your kids who they are. And then, but after that, so and so, you start doing it with you. That you go read, follow the cloud, and you go get, you know, and, and you start to figure that out more. And then you start to be able to. But it's even if you don't understand it yourself completely, you can still tell your kid he's a mighty man of God. Right. You can still yell your daughter she's a princess. Right. You can still go through and, and you can speak life into them. And that's really what we kind of, as we land the plane here, we're kind of. In, encouraging you to do with your kids. And that's what I love about Crazy Cool Family and what you guys have done is you do such a great job of not focusing on the behavior modification side where so oftentimes as parents we panic or we don't like what our kid's doing or what's happening and, and you guys do such a good job of saying, well, let, let's let's not focus on the behavior. Let's back back up over here. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's what the Bible says, uh, hearing comes by faith. Mm-hmm. So whatever we're hearing, our faith in that thing grows. So if I want to change behavior. I don't talk about the behavior. I talk about the belief structure behind it. And as you declare as a parent identity over that kid, it's faith. They start hearing it. They start believing it because now the tongue has the power of life and death. So I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. Eventually my faith, my belief in that thing begins to grow and that changes everything. And one of the cool things too, is that, um, when you start, let's say 
when your older kids get it, they start telling it to your younger kids. Yeah. You know, and, and it starts to be, and that's what we talk about a crazy cool family with culture. You're building a culture so that the relationships in your home can flourish. You're building this culture of God. God's love is so thick in, in, in our family. That's what you want. You want to see that God's love is so thick in there. God's, <clears throat> God's forgiveness, his grace is all over the place. So that, you know, why is it that, how do you, how, how do you have your kid, your teenage son come tell you about their life well they believe it's a throne of grace they know they're loved <clears throat> they know there could be consequences but it's not like you're going they're going to alienate them from they're not going to alienate them from you from them and in any way they can approach you and know that no matter what that you're loved and you're safe right and so that book that comes through instilling in them the the what the, what Jesus said, or what God said to Jesus, this is my son whom I love, and in, in you I'm well pleased. Right. And and what you, you what you always teach is you you can't give what you haven't received. Right. So until I get my identity sorted, it's really hard to release that identity. And so I think sometimes as parents, when we start panicking or getting stressed or concerned about the identity struggles we see in our kids, it's actually a great invitation to go back to our identity with the Father. And then as I'm learning that, it starts to flow through me into mm -hmm. their lives. And I don't have to have it all figured out. I can just start as I'm receiving and learning who God says I am. I can just release that life flow into my child's life. And watch your kids look at you weird and say, oh my goodness, what in the world has happened to my father? Or what's the world happened to my mother? But it's worth it. It's um, Anyway, just thank you so much for being on with us. This is exactly what, you know, we're, we're going through the culture series in our, in, in the, um, in our podcast uh, right now in the spring. And this is just one of those, we were, we're kind of finishing up encouragement. And it made me think that we need to sit down for a week um, and talk about identity because this one's huge, parents, and uh, it's it's huge for you. One of the biggest changes in my Christian life is understanding who I am and, and understanding that I'm an, no, no longer an orphan but a child of the King. That's great. And, and therefore, out of that flow has also impacted my family, and um, it's huge. So thanks for writing a book on it. And uh, thanks for being a believer in it. And thanks for, you know, um, teaching it to so many people, including me. It's been a great podcast. So, um, And if I can say, because yeah. you don't get a lot of people on here that probably get to do this. I'm just giving you right. my two cents. If you're, if you're out there and you're listening, you follow Crazy Cool Family, uh, man, Don and Suzanne, they really are the real deal. They're incredibly authentic and genuine. Their kids are amazing. We love them. I have watched them grow. I see who they are. Everything Don teaches, he lives. I love that about you. These aren't just concepts for you. You don't just write a bunch of stuff down or say a bunch of things. You can sit here and talk this stuff hours and hours and hours because it's just in you. It's just who you it's who you are. It is your identity. And, and you have helped uh, Colleen and I become such better parents. And I've watched Don and Suzanne help so many families, so mm. many moms and dads uh, learn how to parent God's way and, and learn how to build a crazy, cool family. And I've watched how that has impacted generations of kids and grandkids because of the ministry that they have. So if you're out there and you're wondering, man, is this real? Is this guy real? Is this, is this family really <laughs> look like that? If you don't know them and you've never had the privilege of me being able to meet them as someone who's right there in the, in the fray with them all the time, it is the real deal. It is crazy. It is cool. 
And I love what they do. I love who you are and what you share with all of wow. us. Wow, I'm going to have you on every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much. You know, we... Um, it's been awesome. I hope you guys have been blessed by it. Thank you, John, for coming on. And um, just thank you for, uh, you know, So th- th- another thing we encourage is jump into the local church, get involved because it's been a, the, the church has been such a blessing to us. And so has your leadership there. So, uh, man, um, blessings to all you parents. And uh, we're going to wrap this up with identity. And as always, parents, go be crazy. CrazyCoolFamily.com. <laughs>